What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. Good to be with you here from Spartanburg, South Carolina, where the Buffalo Bills and Carolina Panthers hooked up for a joint practice session on Tuesday, and I was able to take that practice in on the field, and I have a lot of takeaways to give to you here on this podcast. A couple things about the environment. Bills Mafia showed up. They had a special Bills viewing section that I think in hindsight they maybe realized was a little bit too small based on the amount of Bills fans that showed up in Spartanburg to watch their team on the practice field. It was great to see. You can tell uh, there was a surprise factor there from a lot of the uh, the media members in attendance and maybe some of the players. Sean McDermott came over uh, to the fans and acknowledged and thanked them for showing up and uh, having great energy on the sideline. So that was really cool to see. The weather, it was warm. Now, I was mostly in the shade, so I wasn't out there baking. But I'm sure the players were because the shade was probably 15, 20 degrees cooler than what was going out on the field. And uh, as Sean McDermott stated that he wanted to get the Bills ready, his football players ready to be in those types of conditions. And I think mission accomplished here on day one. It looks like it could be even warmer on the Wednesday practice. Uh, One thing about the layout with the setup they had there is you have two fields, two full-size football fields, and... You weren't able to see everything just because there's so much going on. I I was talking uh, beforehand. I mean, there's 180 football players on the field, and there's a lot to take in. And so the field that I was on primarily featured the Bills' offense. And so my takeaways today will be centered around the Bills' offense. I hope that tomorrow I'll be able to get eyes on the defense and have some takeaways from that unit for you, but pretty much what I'm going to talk about today is offense because that's honestly what I saw, and I didn't get a chance to see much much of the defense, so I don't have much to say. Now, when we talk about the Bills, when we talk about the offense, the conversation always starts with Josh Allen. And I, a lot of what I said last week when I recapped the, the preseason game against the Colts was true again. I thought Josh Allen showed decisiveness. He was clean. There was never a moment where in any of his throws where it was close to being intercepted. I thought he was did a good job of reading the field, understanding whether it was man or zone coverage, and getting this football to the right spots. And there was an obvious command and presence about him running the Bills offense. And so the comfort level continues to be really good when I watch Josh Allen in 2019. I think there was probably a couple throws that he'd like to have back, but nothing that was overly concerning. Uh, was a little bit long on a deep shot uh, to the left side of the field to Robert Foster, and maybe a little bit too much on one to, uh, to, to Tommy Sweeney on the right side. But for the most part, I thought that, that Josh Allen was overall very sharp with what he did. I liked him particularly in red zone. Uh, the Bills basically had a, a pretty long session in the red zone going up against the Panthers' defense. It was, you know, skill players versus skill players or, you know, back seven players on defense. And Josh Allen was in those moments when, when you're in the red zone and things are a little bit tighter, your process has to speed up. And I thought Josh Allen did a really good job of being decisive with the football, throwing the ball to spots and trusting receivers to go make plays. 
plays on the football and, and generally making the right reads. And, you know, I, I a throw to Zay Jones early on uh, where it was a layered coverage and it was an outbreaking pattern. And, and both Zay and Josh were on the same page in terms of where that soft area was and where the football needed to be. Josh put it to a spot. Zay worked over to it, and he caught a touchdown pass. And it was a nice tight window throw, and it really stood out to me. And then for the rest of the session, you just kind of saw a very comfortable quarterback. Um, So, look, I I think focusing heavily on Josh on day one, very comfortable again with the football player I saw on the field. And another thing, like when you go back to the team reps specifically, I thought Josh did a good job of really working all levels of the field. The same deep Shots that we want to see from Josh Allen were there, but his ability to find outlets, his ability to work the quick game, be decisive, and, and and not always launch the football down the field and really work stuff with timing and underneath, I thought that was, again, pretty evident based on what we saw in the practices today. Uh, also keeping it with the quarterbacks, I do want to touch on Tyree Jackson. He continues to not look comfortable. There's a lot of guessing. There's a lot of calculation with his footwork. Uh, there's not a lot of comfort in what he's doing. You know, if it's a scripted throw where it's one read, uh, you know, something quick, he gets the ball out fine and he gets it to those spots. Well, any quarterback in the world can do that. When there's a little bit of thought required and, and working through progressions and making reads and, and seeing the field, it's it's just hard to identify his process. So, look, he's got a long way to go. I have a hard time envisioning him making this roster, uh, but I do want to point out that some of the struggles that we saw in that two for ten performance against the Colts, you know, they continued here today. Now I will give him credit; he was the first guy on the field, uh, getting loose and ready for practice. You can tell he's putting in the time, uh, but right now his results in terms of team reps and individual work and working through drills is just very, very different from what you see from Josh Allen and Matt Barkley. Uh, let's talk a little bit about tight ends. I don't have a whole lot of takeaways because, you know, we're still without Tyler Croft and Jason Kroom. Well, Ty- Jason Kroom was in there, excuse me. I, was, I meant to say Dawson Knox. Uh, but, you know, Tommy Sweeney's getting a lot of reps. And we talked about Tommy Sweeney a lot being a guy with baseline ability to help across the board. But when I start thinking about the football player I saw on the field in the joint practice as well as against the Colts, you can tell there's just – there's just an un, unnatural thing about him in terms of when the ball's in the air and when he has to go make a play on it. Now, I think he can hand, handle the elementary concepts of playing tight end, but you know some of the some of the opportunities that they're giving Tommy Sweeney down the field to really you know have to separate and then make a play on the football is really outside of what I think is is his optimal role and usage, and maybe some of that speaks to. And the injuries and you know wanting to still have the tight end used in that capacity so that Josh Allen still has that in his repertoire. But I think Josh, the more and more I watch Tommy Sweeney, I think he's a, a very sound across-the-board player. But these deep shots and, and really trusting him to be the guy to go make on a play on a football uh, might be too much of an ask for, for him. Certainly a fine-depth player. He's just not going to be that dynamic receiving tight end, and that's fine. You know, We're not asking him to be that, except for right now, we kind of are given the amount of injuries at tight end. Before we go any further, let's talk about sex, good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. I'll be right back to talk about offensive line right after a quick break. All right, let's talk about this offensive line. Got some good news here, some good things to talk about with this unit. First of all, let's let's mention how things were being lined up. Pretty much the starting group you would expect. That left tackle, Deion Dawkins. Left guard, Quentin Spain. The center was John Feliciano. Right guard was Cody Ford. Right tackle was Ty Insecki. But one thing I noticed is that there was a lot of rotation from center to right guard to right tackle. You saw... With the first team, Cody Ford getting chances to play right tackle. You saw Spencer Long coming in for John Feliciano. You saw you know Feliciano kicking over to right guard. There's just a lot of movement. And it I think it probably speaks to just seeing guys in different situations and evaluating how they perform. It's still early in preseason. The Bills have not played their second preseason game. And so this is kind of your your last few chances here to start tinkering and making sure guys are comfortable and having an understanding of where guys can play and how they factor into your ultimately your 53-man roster. And so ideally, you know, when Mitch Morse comes back, which we'll talk about that here in a second, that the center position will be solidified and so will some of that depth on the interior and you won't have to move guys around so much, but the reality is, you know, you're still seeing Cody Ford playing both spots, and you're still seeing a lot of rotation between the guys filling in for for Morse at center, and then the guys that are stepping in over for for Cody Ford when he kicks out to right tackle. Now, where there isn't any rotation is on the left side. Deion Dawkins is the left tackle. Quentin Spain is the left guard, and I think this is really good and important for Deion Dawkins. I've mentioned several times that. Part of the regression, if you will, with Deion Dawkins in year two of his career really stemmed from what I thought was a major drop-off and inconsistency at left guard. He went from having Richie Incognito, a long-tenured, experienced NFL player, a high-level player, to Wyatt Teller and Ryan Groy and Vlad Dukas and this, this musical chairs, if you will, and there was never that cohesion or opportunity to be comfortable with that guy next to you. A drop-off in talent, but not only just a drop-off in talent, but different people all the time. So I think there's something very deliberate about Quentin Spain being locked in as that left guard because obviously it anchors that spot, but it also builds that chemistry with Deion Dawkins that was missing in his sophomore season. So I think that will certainly be a benefit to him, and, and you like to see that things are shored up over there. Now, the really good news with this offensive line is Mitch Morse is starting to get back. He had a helmet on today, he had a red jersey on, and he participated in an individual drills. You know, he wasn't in any of the team stuff, but he's getting worked back in. And coming out of concussion protocol, if he's not 
progressing, he's not going to be doing these types of things. At the end of practice, Mitch Morse was running gassers, half gassers, for a while. I mean, he did at least 10 reps back and forth, the, the you know half the length of the field and coming back at least 10 times. He was moving really well. He was pushing himself. And even towards the end, when he was getting up there in reps, you can tell that he was really uh, putting in the work to get himself in shape and making sure that when it's time for him to go back into the lineup, that he's in shape and he's ready to do that. And obviously, we've talked so much about how important Mitch Morse is for this football team, the impact he can have on this offensive line, and the impact that he can have on Josh Allen. And so, uh, a very encouraging sign. You know, I don't think it's something where he's going to be back full contact tomorrow and play on Friday. And honestly, you know, there's no reason to rush him along. But I think we can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and start to feel good about him potentially being available in week one against the New York Jets, which, as we talked about, very good defensive line there for the New York Jets. And so it would be ideal for the Bills to have their best five ready to go against a very good defensive line in a game where I think, look, I don't want to get into a Jets preview, but I think it's going to be very important for the Bills to be ready to pass protect and win that game through the air by throwing it. We'll talk about that a lot here in a few weeks, but – Mitch Morse taking those steps, getting ready, looking like he's going to be part of the mix here as camp, I guess, or preseason continues. Need to tell you about Locked On Fantasy Football. Fantasy football players, make sure you are listening to Vinny Iyer and the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else, then you're the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Make sure you check out Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. Let's wrap things up here by talking about the wide receivers and running backs and some of the big takeaways that I had from watching practice today. I think I have takes on four wide receivers. First of all, Cole Beasley. I think we all know that he's a really good route runner, but it was really fun to see live and in person and the challenges that he presented for the Carolina Panthers in one-on-ones and in team drills. It's just... It's hard for guys to keep pace with him, and it really just stems from nuanced route running, not tipping his brakes, selling his brakes, being clean in and out of his brakes, running away from guys, and then really attacking the football. I think it's really exciting to talk about how good of a route runner he is and how well he can separate, but the underrated component of Cole Beasley is how he carries that speed to the football. And that increases and enhances that separation that he already can create. And and there was just there was a couple plays where you're just like, you know, he he's catching the football and the cornerback still trying to get his footing. I mean, literally putting guys in a blender. Very encouraging to see and exactly the type of of weapon that it makes a lot of sense for him to be added to this mix for Josh Allen. We talk so much about how we want to see Josh Allen use the whole field more consistently, and having having a guy like Cole Beasley in the mix is going to allow him to do that. So I know that it's it's nothing groundbreaking there, stuff that we've already knew about Cole Beasley, but I think the appreciation that I grew for it here watching practice on Tuesday uh, made me more even that more much more excited about Cole Beasley and what he can do in this offense. He's going to get targeted a lot. He came to Buffalo because he believed in the opportunity to be a big part of this offense, and I think he's going to. Let's talk about Ray-Ray McLeod. I haven't always said great things about Ray-Ray McLeod on this podcast, but I'm here to tell you that I was impressed with him today at practice. I had questions about his ball handling skills. Today, they were outstanding. 
He did a lot of short area work, a lot of drag routes across the formation. He was kind of an outlet on a lot of occasions, and I thought he did a really good job of catching the football in stride and working up the field. And there was one throw in particular where it was an outbreaking pattern, and the ball was put on him with some tempo from Josh Allen. And and Ray Ray McLeod did a good job really extending, catching the football outside of the frame and bringing it in confidently on what I thought was a good adjustment and showed really firm hands with that extension, catching that ball outside of his frame. And, you know, obviously the Bills are very comfortable with the work that he's put in this offseason, taking the, the feedback from the exit interview very seriously and putting himself in position to make this football team. So I'm getting more and more confident in the buzz that we've, we've been hearing about Ray Ray McLeod all offseason long, it seems like, and I think that he's he's peaking at the right time. And if he continues the trajectory that he's on, he's going to have a very, very, very good claim here to potentially that wide receiver six position. Let's talk about Andre Roberts. This is not just a kick returner and a punt returner. This is a guy that's going to be a big part of this offense. The Bills are very creative and get a lot of different personnel groupings on the field, whether that's you know spread formations or, or bringing in a, couple, a tight end and a fullback and then lining them out wide. But it didn't seem to matter what personnel grouping it was. Andre Roberts got a ton of run with the first team. I mean, and he wasn't just a gadget guy getting the football on a tunnel screen or just a quick check down in space and letting him create. No, he was getting shots down the field, like multiple routes, vertical routes where he was targeted down the field. There was one that he, I thought it was great coverage by the corner, the Carolina corner, but Andre Roberts, it was a back shoulder throw and he did a really good job of making sure he had outside leverage to work along the sideline and then making a play on the football. Legit wide receiver stuff. Not just a punt returner. So let's not sleep on the role Andre Roberts is going to have on this offense because based on this practice and based on what we saw in preseason, he's getting a lot of run with the first-team offense, and he's got a big role in a lot of these personnel packages. And, uh, look, I know that it hasn't been his forte lately. He was more of a receiver earlier in his career. But I'm telling you, the opportunity is right there, and it looks like he's taking advantage of it. Let's also talk about Robert Foster. Some good and some bad with Robert Foster. I'll tell you this. Robert Foster has legit speed. He can run away from coverage. He did that a couple of different times in team drills. One time, the ball was overthrown, and, you know, look, a cheetah wasn't going to catch the football. But the other time, I mean, he, he had a ton of space, and Matt Barkley just didn't get the football to him. He had way too much air on the football and allowed coverage to catch up to him, and, and unfortunately, Robert Foster probably still should have caught the football. He, he didn't, but it just speaks to his ability to get behind the secondary. Even on the overthrow that I was talking about, you could see at the top of his route, when he was going and accelerating to get to that football, he was gaining ground on the coverage. I mean, I, I want to see more consistency with his hands. It didn't seem to be a problem for him in games last year or at Alabama, but I didn't see him catch the football cleanly with consistency today in practice. And and maybe that's part of, you know, the his deal with working his way and really battling for reps. But there is that speed element with Foster that is undeniable. And while he may be a little bit shaky with his hands in terms of this practice and some of the reports we've seen throughout camp, 
It's never been a problem in games. It was never a problem at Alabama. I gave you the stats on that. I don't have them off the top of my head right now, but I think he has like two drops all time, like one at Alabama and one throughout his 40-plus targets last year for the Bills. So it's not been an issue, and I, I hope that it's something that what's, he's just a gamer. But um, that speed is absolutely undeniable. Let's finish up by talking about running backs. This was the shady show today. Frank Gore was involved with individual work, but it's, it seems like it's going to be Shady's week, right? He's starting this week against Carolina, and you saw Frank Gore really kind of take a back seat when it came to uh, to team stuff, and you saw you know Shady as a starter and then Devin Singletary uh, getting some reps, and then you saw a decent amount of balance between T.J. Eldon and Sonoris Perry. But I will say this about Perry. I'm getting more and more comfortable with him as a running back. We know he can play special teams. There's no question there. But he catches the football clean, and there was – Plenty of opportunities in in this practice where he was really doing a good job of finding space, whether it was an outside zone concept where he he just showed a a really nice feel for finding that space and getting getting north-south. And and then he's just a good athlete. He's good size. I mean, I think we should get very serious about this job being his as RB4. And obviously the special team's prowess is really his calling card, but it's not just a break glass in case of emergency type running back. This is a guy that's a perfectly fine running back that brings all around value to this football team. He's a terrific athlete, catches it, can run inside and outside, and obviously the special team's ability. The more you can do, and that's that's really important when we're talking about roster battles and making the football team and dressing and being part of that 46-man roster that plays and, and is active on Sundays. I think we're seeing a football player here in Sonoris Perry that can do that in a variety of ways, which just carries more weight than T.J. Yeldon, who is a fine running back. We know he can catch and run, but has never played a special teams rep in his career. And that's going to give the edge to Perry. Now, look, I, I, I know we can all be surprised based on what ultimately happens here, but I really feel more and more comfort with Perry in that traditional running back role if he was asked to do that. And the Bills' running back depth has been stressed in each of the last two seasons. So let's not act like RB4 isn't a place where reps are available. We saw Keith Ford get carries for the Bills last year. So let's not sleep on that being an important component and him just being a special teams guy. That's going to do it for us here today. We'll be back again for you tomorrow to reflect upon the Wednesday joint practice for the Bills and Panthers. Hope to get more eyes on the defense. That way I can get you from some perspective on that unit. Uh, but we'll see what happens in terms of the uh, way things are, are laid out tomorrow. Um, so definitely it's my intent to get more defensive looks, uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, please, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. All of that is so very helpful, and uh, I really appreciate you doing that. Until tomorrow, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Bills.